in a lot of ways, things are easier, especially for filmmaking. You don't have to go through this huge process like you would in a bigger city. Welcome to Appalachian Startup, stories of new ideas that eventually became thriving businesses in areas that most would consider a bad investment. I'm J.D. Belcher, and I started this podcast because I took the same path as a lot of these folks. I'm a former coal miner, and now I make films through my own production company called JJN Multimedia. I wanted to hear others speak of their journey to not only give new beginners hope, but to help me grow as a fellow entrepreneur. Benjamin Mason and Kayla Bakers essentially grew up together as kids in Appalachia. Throughout their journey, somewhere along the line, they was hit by the bug of filmmaking. It wasn't until realizing their day jobs weren't fulfilling their creativity enough that they decided to start a new business called Filmanatics. Fast forward a few years and they now tell the stories of dozens of businesses, not only in the mountain state, but across the country. Filmanatics quickly grew into a team of nine and they pursue their passion daily in Charleston, West Virginia. It's always a pleasure for me as well to get to talk filmmaking. So I really related a lot to Caleb and Benjamin's story with this conversation. Enjoy. I guess in a nutshell, Filmanax is a video production company that creates films that tells people's stories, mainly businesses, and just helps convey their message, whether they sell a product or a service. And we just show that in a creative way. Right. Where'd you meet, Benjamin? Where'd you all meet? Uh, actually, we met as childhood friends. Um, our parents knew each other. They were friends. And so we I think we met at around seven or eight years old. So oh, wow. we grew up making so, like short films and, you know, just playing around with cameras. And so y'all been doing this a while, like back, way back when. Um, so, uh, how did you, you know, coming out of high school, what, what was your goals coming out of high school? Like, was it the traditional path? Like everyone told me like, man, you better go to college. If you don't go to college, you're up the creek or, you know, you better figure out, you know, because I became a coal miner. I was a coal miner for nine years. You know, what was your path after graduating? Uh, for me personally, I didn't really, uh, growing up, it wasn't like a, it wasn't really a thought to be, I mean, I guess we kind of played around with the idea of it'd be awesome to do some videos growing up or we always thought maybe working for the news would be cool just be anything to do with a camera i guess um but really it, it wasn't taken real serious um doing video production until about you know end of 2014 beginning 2015 um i didn't really know what i was wanting to do i don't i mean i think i think he was he had a, a few jobs good jobs that he was doing but i was kind of just for me personally, I didn't have a plan really. I wasn't planning on going to college or anything. Right. Uh, just uh, trying to find something that uh, was good for me is make a living. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for me personally as well as I think for any college or any high school student was get a good paying job. And so for me, I actually went into computer aided drafting. Um, I, then I went to college for a year, got an associate's degree, and so I was more into like the engineering field just because I thought that was one of the higher paying jobs you can get. And so I didn't really think about entrepreneurship until after I kind of started that career. Yeah, Mr. Uh, yeah, you started your third business now. Is that right? You, you yeah. did the you started the CrossFit and then you recently opened a co coffee shop here in Charleston, right? Yeah, that's right. Cool. So, you know, when did you figure out, you know, I can turn on a camera and make something and tell someone to pay for it? 
You know, uh, was it a certain video you made and people were like, man, that was really good? Or did you kind of build that confidence over time? Uh, I mean, speaking for me, I mean, we always, since we were making films for, you know, for a long time, you know, we were, we had the little tape recorders that, you know, obviously you have to edit in camera and, um, I mean, they were trash. I mean, they weren't good at all. Um, but for me personally, without him, I did a wedding for a friend, paid me like 200 bucks. <laughs> that was my first wedding. They needed 300 cause they felt so bad. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like. I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, I knew how to film and get certain good shots, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And when I look back on it, it was like video kind of is not good. Right. <laughs> but, right. but they loved it. So they, you know, they, that family was like, man, you, you should be doing this full time or something. So, but that was way before filming addicts even began. Mm -hmm. But I think at that moment, you know, you kind of realize that, you know, you might have something that people, you know, even to us, if it seems simple and easy to other people, it's impressive. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's funny, you know, I, uh, which I have low self-esteem that I battle with. And, you know, everything I have a whole YouTube channel of just what would be considered awful videos. But I look back on them and I'm like, yeah, they were kind of not good, but it was fun developing and I remember like, man, this was pure why I done these videos, you know, this, uh, why we made this short film, you know, that had this, uh, slit throat effect that I just thought was amazing. And I worked days to perfect, you know, there was just a beauty to it. And uh, it, did you kind of feel the same way, Caleb, like the climb up, did you enjoy the work you were doing or did you kind of just, you know, try to rush through it to get better? Um, I think way before filming addicts, we made short films just because we, we love making people feel an emotion, whether it's like to feel joy and happy or to cry at a scene or something like that. We were more, I guess, excited to do things to impress people like, oh, wow, look, they get to see our film and see it put together and see a story coming from these young kids. And so we never really thought too much about can this make money until we were adults. And then we we're like, is there a way that we can do this? for a living. We weren't sure until we kept talking about it over and over and over. Did you have day jobs that you had to quit? Yeah. You did? Yeah, I had a few. I had a few. I was worked at Best Buy. Um, I worked, I was, when I quit to do, you know, transition over to film and addicts, I was window cleaning. Um, yeah, I had a few jobs that I was doing here and there. Did you have the revenue in place like before you quit or was it kind of a leap? Like, I don't know, man. It was, actually a, a very huge leap uh, for me i was working for jacobs engineering so i was making fifty thousand dollars a year i had a wife i had insurance so it, for me it was a really hard decision to make um, but ben and i kept talking about it but film and acts was kind of starting to take off because we we're trying to have meetings and stuff with people and we actually end up having a meeting with um what was his name andrew uh, at Wendy's, he was like, dude, he, he was actually surprised that we didn't do it full time because it's for film and addicts. And he was like, God, you got to make the leap. You got to make the leap or you're never going to like actually see how it's going to be fulfilled. And we just kept talking about it over and over and over. And eventually we made that leap. Just drove each other nuts. Like, man, let's just do it and see what happens. Yeah. I did the same thing. Like, you know, I, I was a college dropout and I was making $90,000 a year as a coal miner. And 
you know, I, I quit to make awful car commercials for half the money and no insurance, which was a big deal for me because I'm a type one diabetic. And I had that same experience of like, man, you know, you need to just stop running your mouth and acting like, you know, what you're talking about and just show people like, I actually know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> so I had that, I had that same experience. So when you first quit, like, you know, day one, you are self-employed. Uh, did you, did you come up with a plan or did you kind of just wing it every meeting and figure it out along the way? Or did you consult a business coach or how, how did that work? We kind of just figured it out on our own. Um, thankfully we had the internet to look for references to how to start a business and what to do. But the hard part was gathering that information and knowing what to execute on. And so when we actually our first client, we it was a free video for a pottery shop in South Charleston because for we started the business in 2015, but it was kind of we didn't know what to do with it once we registered the business. Um, so we were like, well, let's offer a free video because we had no experience. No one's going to trust us enough. So let's offer that to someone. So we did it for a pottery shop. And then after that first video, we're like, oh, OK. It's actually starting to take off because now we're getting all these meetings and meetings and meetings, slowly building up our profile. Right. So, you you know, building that portfolio obviously is important in the early stages. Did you, you know, when you was offering free videos, did you pick and choose like, man, I'd love to do this video for this person. Let me approach them and see. Or did you kind of just, you know, bounce around and see what hit? Huh. Uh, That's a good question because I kind of don't really remember how it how our thought process was at the time. I just know at some point we were like, cause you know, we, we started the business or we registered the business almost a year before we actually quit our day jobs. So during that time, you know, we were trying to find clients. And then once we finally quit our day jobs, you know, we were like, it took a while to make any money. We we're like, we got to make some money. We need to, and like, we're not getting our foot in the door anywhere. So I remember at some point though, we said, we need to just offer somebody a free video, get our foot in the door, and maybe later down the road they'll want something and pay us. So that's kind of what we did. We approached um, a little small store in in uh, in South Charleston, and they said, "Yeah, yeah, and yeah." So kind of just and that's all it. it took, really. I think that was probably the only video that we did for free, because right. um, once once it I got our names out there and we started getting connected with like the Charleston Area Alliance, we started getting connected with people. And we started seeing the value of the video work that we did. You know, we put, obviously our price points were a lot lower back then, but we were slowly able to build that up. How did you know when to raise? Because I know with me, I get nervous when it comes time, you know, you're staying busy all the time and you know, like I have to raise or turn people down. So how, how do you, how do you know when it's time to do that? I think for us, we just kept doing it until you get people to say no. (laughs) (laughs) It it was kind of like, I mean, we didn't really have a plan of like, it kind of just, you started saying, okay, we start, when you do the cheap videos or when you do videos for low price, you're kind of like, okay, you see how much time goes into it. You start seeing, you know, what other stuff it's pulling you from. So it's like, you kind of start to gauge it and then just slowly starts getting, but for us, I feel like it. It jumped pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, because you you test it. So when you first start, you're like, man, $500 for a video? Let's try it. And then someone says yes. And you're like, can we do $750? <laughs> right. And then you, you get a yes. And you're like, okay, can I do $1,500, several thousand? It just keeps going until people are saying no. Sure, yeah. Do you kind of mask that? Like, Because I feel like if I'm not confident in my price, they're going to notice. 
Like I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the reason it costs this much. I'm gonna break it down to a model that I can show them. Like, look what all goes into this video. Cause I think a lot of people don't realize the actual work put into a polished video. So did you come up with a pricing structure and then kind of raise that over time? Or did you do a, a day rate, an hourly rate? I think we had a structure when we first started. Um, we came up with prices as we progressed into a bigger business. We have a more of a structure. We have a, a calculator that determines if someone wants this, this, and this. We know how much work goes into it. We know how much labor, what, how many locations, and what that's going to cost us internally. But when we first started, though, it's just you just got to pick a price and then learn from it. And then you can continue to make changes as you grow. Benjamin, like, do you all have... Uh, a formula for how you do videos? Do you approach every video with like a scientific process or, you know, do you, are you trying to break the mold every time or, you know? Uh, it, it, it does depend, I guess. So we try to, I mean, based on what the customer wants or what they need. Uh, I think it also depends on our relationship with the client. Like if, if we have a continuous uh, relationship with them where we're doing videos you know very often for them we might approach it a little differently instead of making one large video for oops, sorry. instead of making one large video for a company you know where it's you know very scripted out and it's everything's kind of in place um it might be different for a company that we're like making stuff over time and you can cover each one of those little pieces over time um honestly i don't know if there's a specific formula for every single time that we that we, um, you know, make a video or come up with uh, a video, there is a, a sh maybe a process, a specific structure of how it's going to go down, but sure. maybe not a direct way of Because a, a lot of that formula is dependent on the client because sometimes they have, you know, obviously a goal or an outcome. And so you have to make sure that you include certain things that the client wants. And of course, if we had a client that gives us creative freedom, we're like, oh, okay, so we can really shine here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a balance. Right. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. So, um, you know, when did you decide, of course, uh, how big is your team now? Oh, we have nine people. Nine. So how did you grow? How did you decide to add people to the team and get them to buy into the to the whole mission of Film Anatics? Um, well, to be honest, uh, there just started to be more work to where it's like we – couldn't do it all we were like i mean eventually we started making enough to where we had a good amount in the bank and we were like uh we have so much to do we're probably gonna need to hire somebody so we started looking um and then honestly we started finding people that we already knew uh and we had to kind of train them to do video basically so it was kind of like it wasn't yeah, it's like n n nothing that we did over the course of us building the business was really planned. Everything kind of just happened by circumstance, I guess. Sure. And you're both self-taught self-taught with video, right? Yeah. So, you know, did that help with the training process? Like, how did you bring someone in and show them, like, here's how you be structurally creative, you know, uh, have fun? <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 growing up, I watched, like, I was so passionate about, like, filmmaking throughout my entire like childhood that I would go on YouTube and just watch hours and hours of content about filmmaking, directing, uh, cinematography, lighting, that all that sort of stuff. And so I built up these people that I would follow, right? 
And so a lot of times it would be easy to, when someone comes on, go look at these and it makes you into me. Cause that's what we needed. We needed people to basically be us cause we were losing time on getting stuff done. So the things that I learned and things or the people that I follow that I admired, I had them watch and kind of. What channels did you watch? Oh, I mean a lot. Film like, right? A little bit of film, right? Like, hey, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Daniel Schiffer on YouTube or Peter McKinnon. Yeah, Peter McKinnon. Maddie Hapoya, mm -hmm. uh, J.R. Ali. Like, not, even if they're not teaching you something, if you watch the style of the videos, that's a lot of times where we would get our, you know, and build I, our style from. I can see that. I'm glad you brought that up because you all have been really good at marketing yourself. You built a really good following. Uh, you know, uh, do you all still do the vlog? I know you did a lot of vlogs back in the day. and When we first started, I... That probably attributes to a lot of our awareness in the community specifically. Um, there was a guy that I found on YouTube. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk, and he talked about pushing, you know, your content consistently on social media platforms. And so we were like, well, let's try some vlogs creatively in our own style and run some ads in our community. And so people started seeing us, you know, dealing with people, creating content. And so that, I think that really helped bring awareness of our brand. So, yeah, um, speaking on the vlogging and, and stuff like that, like, you know, Film Riot, uh, Film Riot, I don't know if you know who Andrew Kramer is too. Andrew Kramer of Video Copilot. Heard of him. Well, they essentially gave me my job. Um, you know, I used to live on that channel and, and Film Riot had all these, it was called Monday Challenges and we'd get on and Mike used to be behind me here, used to be in all the videos and uh, we ended up winning Monday challenges, which was like, whoa, this is awesome. You know, we'd win like free digital downloads or whatever, but it really helped uh, hone the craft in. So are there any of those videos like that you're you're proud of in the early days or what was was you always releasing your first videos under Filmanatics or was there another brand that you had? Like for me, mine was called Skank Entertainment. You can go on YouTube and find all my stuff like did you kind of do that or was you just well oh, it's you know caleb and benjamin making movies obviously youtube has been around for a long time so i think ben and i separately experimented with youtube and just creating silly videos or just experimenting with creating short films but it never was like a serious project <laughs> right so it was just you know trial by error or yeah and we kind of it's funny, our, our name that we came up with, um, we came up with it in Walmart after we were, we had finished a day of us filming, a, doing a short film together. And we, for a while there, we kind of had stopped uh, filmmaking. We were kind of, had our separate lives and doing our own thing. And then we came together to do this film. And then after that, we started using that name, Filmanatics, because we felt like it fit us well. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we just, from there, we started using that name and we built a channel and, you know, everything that we started doing, we just threw up on there. Right. And so was it an aha moment? Like, filming addicts. That's awesome. I think we wanted it to be different. We wanted to have the word film in it. And then we were like, we're film fanatics. And so we put that together and just put an X in Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think if our, I mean, when we first said it, we were with a group of friends and they were like, uh, and then it just, you know, we were like, it just stuck. Mm -hmm. and we were like, no, that's it. I like that. With our company, I made my first uh, it was a year and a half, two years 
out of my attic. You know, it was like, hey, come to JJ Multimedia. We'll build your websites, graphic design, blah, blah, blah. I won't tell you where I'm making it from. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was a big move for us to finally have enough revenue to say, okay, I need an office space. I need somewhere to go and get creative and be away from Netflix. You know, I'll sit on the couch and start watching TV and lose motivation. So when did you decide it was time to do that with your first office that was on Cap uh, Courier. Courier Street? Um, I would say our, our first office was technically my apartment <laughs> in, a, in a spare bedroom. Uh, we started from there, and then we moved to a shared space, which was the West Virginia State EDC over on the boulevard. Um, so it was really cheap rent. We were able to use that space, and plus they had studios and stuff, so it was really cool. But our team grew really fast in that space where you can't just bring. Yeah, we had, like, <laughs> interns, and, and we had, like, maybe two employees. No, three employees, maybe one intern. And we were, like, we can't, we came in there every day, and we were just, like, we probably need to find not enough, yeah, room. Not not enough room and we're taking up like conference rooms and stuff like almost every day. So we're like, we need to find something. And so we eventually found that space on Courier Street. Mm -hmm. So was you just all in from the start or were you kind of nervous about it? Because I'm assuming like, did you work out a lease agreement or, or how did that work? Oh yeah. We obviously did everything normally for transitioning to a property like that. So we had a lease agreement with them and um, it just worked out for us. Perfect. Uh, so structuring, uh, you know, pricing and everything like that, obviously nine employees, uh, you got to figure out, you know, how everyone's getting paid and revenue. Like how, where does your sustainable revenue come from? Is it, do you have a lot of sales? You know, do you have a sales team? Uh, uh, do you have monthly retainers? How does that work? Are all of the above? Yeah, a little bit all of, of the above. I mean, we, um, we kind of knew from the like early stages of the business that we're probably going to have to have a sales like person at least to kind of control how money comes in when we get, you know, um, when we get clients, how we get clients, someone to kind of handle that part of things. And then the other half of the team to handle the creative parts specifically. And it seems it, it took a while to kind of like get there and to understand the structure. It's a lot of trial and error. Um, but yeah, we've got like right now we have a sales team who only focuses on the relationship with the client handling the money and then the other half that does the rest. So it's kind of worked out. What was it like, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a micromanager, but I want people to be better than what they can be. If that makes sense. Like, I just, it was hard for me to start handing over responsibility. So, you know, when it came time, like I imagine you have, you know, a few people that shoot videos now and different editors and stuff. How did you train yourself to let go and, and keep that quality control? I wouldn't say it's easy because um, sometimes you, you might expect an employee to be just like you, but they're not going to be like you. They're not an owner. And so they're not going to have that same drive, that same motivation. And so you kind of just have to be okay with letting go, at least partially, because you might be surprised after some time, six months down the road, they're like, oh, wow, they created something special or something that you never thought of. And so you just almost have to take a risk and be okay with letting go. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're still learning it. You know, it's like it's not necessarily that you're handing off certain like the certain responsibilities that you know somebody else can do those are easy to do but when it's something that's 
you know, kind of more difficult or more on a serious tone than uh, so yeah, and I, in the same aspect, it's pretty cool when you bring someone on, like me and the guy who started. He's a web developer. He's a graphic designer, and he's also you know he went to college and graduated summa cum laude in graphic design. Did everything the quote unquote right way, and uh, you know in a lot of ways he's everything I wish I was. But he says he claims it's the same with me. But we met in a closet of a Nissan showroom, and we sat back there and made you know, anything that the boss told us to make for three years. And uh, eventually we quit our jobs on the same day. Um, so it's always been easy for me to work with him. It's kind of like you two. It's kind of like, you know, you have, you're simpatico. You kind of have this vibe with this other person. Like, I know, Benjamin. Yeah, I know it's going to be great because he's awesome. I know it's going to be great when Caleb does it because he's awesome. But it's kind of cool when someone else brought into the team you know, steps up Surprises and does you. something really cool. Yeah. yeah. So what was that feeling like the first time you noticed, like, you know, maybe people can be like us. I, it is a kind of a cool feeling because especially if you knew them and they weren't into video at all or filmmaking and then you bring them on, teach them, and then they have, they develop this passion. I think that was my biggest thing is I don't even expect you to have be skilled. I just want you to develop a passion for it first. If you develop a passion, you're probably going to research stuff off hours. You're probably going to uh, do a little bit more to make yourself better. Uh, so that was really like my thing was if you develop a passion, I feel like you'll become more like us instead of learning, you know, developing the skill first. Because uh, I feel like that's what a lot of people do is I just need to be good. Well, for me, I was like, no, you need to be passionate about filmmaking. And yeah, it's a cool feeling to know that somebody is kind of doing the research on their own. You don't have to hold your hand, you know, editing a video or, you know, going to a shoot, they learn things on their own and they kind of do it. And I feel like part that's partly because of us training them and giving them that passion. And the same aspect, like it's to the point now where I'm like, thank God, like I don't have to do something. You know, <laughs> it's just like, man, because our schedule gets so tight and, 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 you know, you're running 15 places before you know it. You're shooting four days in a row, 16 hour days. And you're like, I've created a job. I haven't created like I got to figure out how to release some of this responsibility. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I, I totally I totally get that. Um, is there a certain video that comes to mind to where you were like that really caught on? Uh, that was like, yes, now we got solid inquiries coming in. It's not people saying I have $150. What can you do for my birthday? You know, it's actually, I own a non or I run a nonprofit. Uh, you know, I own a business. Here's our budget. Make us something good. Like, is there a certain time that you notice that happening or has it been gradual? I feel like it's been a little bit of both. I think we, I think it has been gradual and, you know, people even still, I mean, can be that way. You know, no matter how good you get or how long you've been in business, I feel like people will always kind of be that way. But I know for me, when we did the video for uh, Calvin Broyles Jewelers, I think that was one of the times where I was like, OK, yeah, I think we're I think we're doing something. I think people are noticing us um, because I feel like that one was like our highest view or it might have been something else. I can't remember exactly. I think it's more it's probably a compilation of things being able to work with bigger name brand clients i think that helps to sell like a future client if you're saying you work with you know chick-fil-a or something like that it can help bring that recognition that okay these people are, are of value and so i think just 
working slowly and slowly and slowly having that portfolio of, you know, I've worked with 15, 20 clients now. It builds that trust with that customer. Security. Yeah. 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 It's like, look, we've done all this. We've figured out how to do it. Obviously, we know what we're doing. And, and everyone's like, ah, I feel much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I noticed, too, like, you, you know, you all are more than filmmakers. You come up with strategies with your releases. Um, so who brought that to the table on like, we're going to release this video. Not only that, we're going to do it in a strategic way that we're going to do, you know, whether it's a giveaway or it's a, you know, some type of event that's happening. Like, did you come up with that early on? Um, I think so. I guess like in particular, like with the city spotlight videos that we do, um, that came from an idea that I was, I was thinking of with like the news stations, they sell spots. And so I, for some reason that stuck in my mind with, selling a spot within a video and so i created the city spotlight i think blake came up with the name and that that's just how the idea came about yeah and i mean i think just like i mean he follows a lot of business people too so a lot of what they say is we kind of implemented pretty quickly too so yeah that's one of the, where a lot of those ideas came from yeah, one of those <laughs> if i hear something obviously if someone else is having success with it and they recommend it especially from entrepreneurs that have $500 million business, obviously something's working for them. And so I always have been like that with Ben is like, let's just implement it, execute it. And if it doesn't work, we know it doesn't work, but if it works, it works for us. Right. Do you all bring, you know, are you both the same person or does each of you bring a different variable to the table? Like to me, just looking outside in, obviously you're both creative, but it seems like, you know, Caleb is more of a, a business tech type follower, you know, strategic you're more on the creative uh, training type, you know, uh, uh, relationship end. But is that wrong or, or no? I mean, it's pretty, pretty close because I mean, I I've always said like, no matter what, and this is I've never said this to Caleb, but I'm the most passionate about filmmaking in the office. Absolutely, he is. Like, and so that's kind of, and I would say he's very much business oriented. And I'm, I think we're both, I mean, we obviously, he obviously has to be a good filmmaker. I have to be a good businessman, but with our, you know, we have two separate really good strengths. And so it helps kind of put it together a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of how we started operating at the, you know, at the early stages, like, like, okay, you're going to be this person in the business. I'm going to be this person. So that way we can, you know, take lead on make it easier. And it kind of naturally happened that way. <laughs> yeah. right. I, I'm very envious with that because, you know, I've been kind of a, which now bringing on Mike, I have, you know, trained him up to be just my second hand, but Mike, you know, he's, he loves films. He knows what's good, but he's not a filmmaker. He doesn't, you know, put his hand on the camera, doesn't, you know, edit and things like that. So, you know, you definitely need both because you can make the best film in the world, but if it doesn't get sold, you know, you're back cleaning windows, you're back, you know, in the, in the, uh, uh, what did you say you did? Engineering. Building. Engineering world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's awesome that you both can come together and fuse and make this, uh, make this thing happen. So did you bring on people who were, you know, did they have, I know you mentioned people who have never done filmmaking before, but did you bring on people who just, you know, had zero background in any of this and kind of, you know, just, just buy in and loving Charleston and loving Appalachia and wanting to make good things. And that's all they had. Or did you do a little bit of both? Like 
we hired on a, a person that had the resume, but thankfully they had the passion and the creativity too. So is there a mix? Um, I think it's definitely a mix of both. Some had a little bit of film experience as far as like making their own short films. And then some had zero experience. I think the biggest thing with hiring people, I think Ben could agree with this, was the personality and if they can connect with the, the team as a whole. Um, if you have one person in there that doesn't connect well with anyone, it's it makes it very difficult for that entire team to collaborate and grow as a, as a whole. Right. I can totally see that. Um, so, you know, where is it at now? Like you're in your, uh, you moved to Capitol Street, right? Yeah. In your new office. Um, uh, what's the goal this year in year, uh, when did you say you started? 2014? 2015 20, is when we registered it. 2015. Yep. So now 2019, four years later, Obviously, you got over the two-year hump that they say, you know, uh, all of you are, are doing well. Caleb's over here, you know, opening every new business in Charleston. You know, how do you juggle, you know, opening these new businesses and still doing, you know, originally what you loved? Um, I would say if if it, if I was doing this on my own with each of those businesses, I wouldn't be able to do it. But having partnerships definitely is key for balancing. You got to have work life balance. I can't work two hundred hours <laughs> a week, so right, right. I have to. Those partnerships and developing those relationships with people helps with those businesses to be established and created. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think for as far as like what the business like where it's headed, it's you know. We always try to find new ways of bringing in revenue, trying to grow. Sometimes that can be hard, especially when you've hit, you know, the, at some point they say you're going like this and you start to kind of be the same. I think you don't, we try not to be that. We want to always be changing something. We want to always offer something new, work with different people. So I think, I feel like it's always changing. Right. And the, the corporate structure, we'll call it, of film fanatics, like what does the team structure look like right now? Um, I guess you would say it's me, Ben, or obviously the majority owners. We actually have a small partner. His name's Blake. Um, he's mainly on the creative side. And then we have just the creative team and sales team. That's the structure. Basically. Yeah, we've got we've got three people who really or technically two people who are really into sales, along with Caleb kind of looking over them. And then there's one, two, three, four, five five of us on the creative side and then we have one production manager and the production manager is definitely oh, I'm jealous <laughs> that, 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 that was that saved us a lot of yeah. headache because we realized we're like man we're it was very tiresome to like try to figure out locations and actors and we're up at like 10 o'clock at night try to figure out what we need for the shoot the next day because we forgot something because yeah, so. honestly we'd have shoots like every day of the week there was a time where we were so busy you know, and it, it's easy to forget things, you know, it's easy. And we would it'd be like late at night and be like, do we have a, whatever it is, do we have an actor, do we have the location for tomorrow? And we'd all be like, oh no, we didn't get that. And so that's when we were like, we're going to need, we need somebody to like take Keep control of that specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally, did you start feeling, uh, you know, in the beginning, it's like, oh, I'm doing something cool. You know, I'm I'm starting this place in some in a place that no one said this was possible. It's like I'm a magician. And then you figure out, like, I'm growing anxious, like every day, like anxiety. Well, for me, anyway, anxiety continued to build. And it still is like we've had a, a huge two weeks, just hectic. 
And and I'm starting to feel anxious and starting to figure out like, man, you got to get this stuff in check. Does, so did you all feel that or were you just cool as a cucumber the whole time? No, I mean, we definitely, there's definitely times of, of stress. You're anxious. I mean, there's definitely gonna, that's definitely gonna happen. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think we had, I mean, we've had a quite a few anxious moments. Yeah. Um, you ever deleted moments. anything accidentally? Oh or? my goodness, that's the worst. Wait, what did he say? He said uh, deleting. Oh, deleting. Yeah. Ever like, oh, that SD card had this drone <laughs> footage on it, and I think I just wiped it clean. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I literally not too long ago, maybe a few months ago, I was uh, dumping footage on a drive, and you know we have multiple SD cards because we need to have, you know, just we just need to have multiple SD cards, and I was dumping one. And within, I put it into a, I thought I put it into the, a, a, a spot that we say, this is the cards that you can dump, but I didn't. And I like, I forget how I did it, but I put that card in a can, or I picked up another card thinking that was the card that I just dumped right. and formatted it and I done the same lost thing. the whole thing. Yeah. Thankfully it was something like, it wasn't an interview. Like it was something that I could save and be like, oh, you know, I can do without that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that's usually the best time, you know, the best thing to lose if you lose anything. Right, right. So, all right, um, you know, uh, talking about stereotypes, um, you know, one thing that I knew I wanted to do and why, you know, we're never going to leave Wyoming County. Our home base is always going to be there. I grew up in McDowell. Um I want to definitely change the game on what people think is possible around here. So do you guys kind of have that same vibe when it comes to what you do? Um, you know, uh, how do you how do you change the narrative of West Virginia? Well, I, knew, you- I knew when we first started, there definitely was a negative narrative. I think there's still a little bit there, especially for Charleston specifically, like like it's a dying city or young people leave or you can't be successful with a business. I think the way to change the narrative is just action and proven that it's not right uh, to prove against that narrative. And so I think that's what we pushed for, maybe not so much on purpose, but we wanted this to succeed and we were going full force to make it succeed. And I think with that drive, I think it's what helped us. Yeah. I, I, growing up, I was, you know, I felt alone in filmmaking. I don't think there was a lot of people who like cared for it. Like all of my friends I grew up with definitely didn't. Um, but I, I remember when we first started, we, you know, we talked about like, man, we wish, we wish Charleston had like a good filmmaking community, or we wish that people were interested in, you know, making films, doing, you know, photography. And maybe there was a little bit, but I I feel like, you know, here recently there has been more people who have come out who love doing, you know, filmmaking or, you know, video, whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that we necessarily contributed to it, but I feel like it has, since that has been, you know, more prominent in Charleston and since, you know, there's, there has been more of like a video side of things, uh, in Charleston, I feel like that has kind of motivated us and helped the business too. um, having other people who kind of share the same like passion. Did you have, which, you know, I was a coal miner and when I told all my buddies at work, like what I was planning on doing, they were like, what, what are you talking about? Like what? Yeah, like they thought, like oh well, yeah, you getting together with your friends, making a little movie. That's mm-hmm. cute. You yeah, know? 
That's always, that's always how they view it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you think like with people sprouting up, how much of it is technology? Because obviously technology is so much better now than what it used to be. You can really make something good for a lot less. How much of it is technology versus the passion for it? Because I believe that a lot of people had the passion for it, but just didn't think it was possible. And then, you know, people just started sprouting up and, and then here we are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think it's definitely true. Sometimes I feel like there's a little bit too much emphasis on the technology part of it. And especially, like I said, with I mean, I don't know if I actually said this, but I think that once you're in the business, like and you're making money, you kind of could lose the passion for actually making films, actual stories, uh, which we kind of talked about ourselves. We're like, we need to make another short film like we're making, you know, videos for businesses and you know, making branding content, but we should make something for ourselves. Um, I think that technology is a great tool, you know, obviously um, we enjoy using it, but I think if people could maybe find ways of making their stuff without having all this stuff, um, you know, I think it, you know, lends itself to having more creativity. Because really too. about storytelling. And that's why we, we love clients when we get that client, they're like, they agree to a short film idea that we have. It still promotes their brand or their mission, but it's really story driven. There's actors in it. There's a story beginning, middle and end. So those are the, the clients that we really like working with. And so when you're in the business world of it, sometimes you're restricted to it to an extent because you have to make sure the client's happy and there's some things that they might already have in their minds that they want have to have in the video. And so it restricts that creative freedom. And so it's a balance as far as trying to, you know, stay creative while you're doing it as a business. I think that's why it's important. Like I've been telling Ben here lately that I want to make a short film where there's <laughs> we have full creative freedom. We're going to make a film the way we want to make a film. And so I think it's important to do that. I relate to that a lot. I'm going through that right now. You know, the reason I got into this, I built my first light kit out of dish pans. You know, I... I built my first jib for a hundred dollars. You know, it's an eight foot jib. We figured out we couldn't haul it anywhere. But still, I was I was proud of it. I, f I figured out how to do it online, and you know, like I can do that. Uh, I built my first shoulder rig, and <laughs> yeah. and just <laughs> I, I, I had some pretty ghetto rigs back in the day. <laughs> I built mine out of PVC pipe and sand. I think yeah, we used some PVC pipes and yep, stuff. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, and, and it looked pretty cool. I put little bicycle <laughs> handles on it, yeah. and, and did the whole thing, painted it, yeah, black it out, make it look yeah, legit. yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's to me, that's what it's all about. Like getting that, uh, you feel that burning inside of like, man, I think this is going to be really good. You know, back then it wasn't. But to me, it was. So that's the main thing. Like, yeah, I got 78 views on YouTube or, or whatever. Uh, but that's what I want to get back into also. Now, granted, I love client work. I love when something comes together and, you know, it don't rain for four days straight and you got to get all these shots outside and things just fall together and all that stuff is great. But yeah, that's, I mean, the passion of it. So when you, how do you pitch that to a client? Like they come to you and like, well, I want to sell these, you know, I want to sell these flowers. And you're like, ooh, I had this awesome idea that involves all this storytelling. How do you pitch that to somebody that may you may or may not know will go for it? Uh, what we've noticed here lately is if you're going after a potential client and if you understand what they're selling or what they're doing, gather that information. And we usually try to brainstorm an idea ahead of time. 
especially if you really have a really cool idea for them that you want to do for them. And so if you brainstorm it and you're convinced that 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 story is going to work, you need to be confident when you convey that to your potential client. Because if you're passionate about it and you're like, imagine you see this scene and this scene, and then at the end it's this, and it's a huge climax, they're going to be passionate about it as well. And so that it makes it easier to sell that idea. And honestly, not a lot of clients get certain things when you explain it to like they don't necessarily get it all the time so it can be hard to kind of convey like what you're trying to say like or to make them envision it sometimes they say no sometimes they say yes um but honestly like even if we don't have an idea like we've also decided like we need to we we created like a brainstorming sheet when we meet with them we ask them questions like do you want this to to do this for you? Is this a, what kind of video do you want this? And we write all this stuff down. Then when we have all that information, then we go back as a team to figure out some cool idea. Thanks for bringing that up. How do you uh, convey that? Cause you know, I get lost in my own head and I'm like, you, you know what I'm trying to tell you? Like, why are you acting like you don't know this is going to be the best <laughs> thing ever? Like, do you storyboard? Do you, how do you put it out there for them to visually picture it? You know, honestly, like occasionally, occasionally we'll do story storyboard, but a lot of times we might show them a video that we're thinking of that says yep, that's this. Helps. Yeah. And that, and that helps a lot because it's like, we have an idea and maybe our, we got inspiration from another video. We show them that video say, Hey, this is kind of the look, this is kind of maybe the feel of, you know, what we could do for you. And then they see it, they love it. And then it's, you know, then they just trust us. So like a sizzle reel. You're yeah, like, yeah, look a at little all bit of stuff that. and see what you feel. That's or what sh- I'm trying show to them do. something else of some, you know, something that somebody else did, and you know, kind of replicate something like. Because it sounds weird when you tell your client, like, all right, so imagine a person standing there and the camera's moving like really slow behind them, and then you see this big crowd and everyone's and like, like cheering, and they're like, okay. But if you show the video, they're like. Oh, I get the idea now. I see how it can convey my message. And that's like where we fall into, uh, you know, with me and low self-esteem. I'm like, surely they know what I'm talking about. They know this shot from this movie that I just told them about, you know, (laughs) but they actually, they're not creative. So they're coming to you for that. So they can't picture that. It's it's hard for me to grasp, to grasp that. Um, All right. So, you know, you go in, you see a client. What is the feeling like? When you nail everything, you know it's it's the the baddest thing on the planet, and and you you package it up. Have you? Is there a moment where like there's only been one out of six hundred projects we've done? There's been one time that I got burned up with criticism, and it's stuck with me more than all the best compliments in the world. Is has there ever been a time to where you've been let down with that? release or is it usually you know no it's, i mean you definitely have letdowns i mean i don't i don't think everything that you're going to do is going to top the last thing you did you can try but sometimes it just doesn't happen um it is a good feeling when it does do really well and the client really does just love it but you know we try to have a balance of not being too hard on ourselves but you know we want it to be the best of what we can do and we we try to make sure that you know, we're not comparing ourselves too much to other people that we're not, you know, just what, where are we at our business? Where are we creatively and doing the best that we can do, try to do the best that we can, like more better than our last video, you know? I think that's important to, to set expectations in the initial meeting. Like when someone comes and says the V word, like I want, I want my video to go viral. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that's- like, 
Okay. <laughs> and then you start explaining, like, you know, there's a lot of luck involved. Yeah, there is. I mean, it, it does have to be good, and I will do my best, but do you try to set expectations beforehand of, like, here's what we can guarantee. Yeah. You know, we will guarantee that we will give you a product you will love and that we're going to release it in a way that it will do well. Now, as to how well, who knows? Do you, How do you set those expectations? Uh, you have to be very clear with them. If they're forcing you to, like, I want it to go viral. I mean, from our experience, to make something viral, you need to, like, include everyone and include, like, key features that makes things go viral. Like, if, for instance, the lip sync video that we did, I think the only reason it went viral is a lot of circumstances lined up to make that work. That's hard to promise a client. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's we, a lot we, of variables to it. I mean, we've had one video that I think was our most viral video was that video. And, uh, you know, some, some things were coincidental and some things we kind of planned out and it just worked. But a lot of times, I mean, you make it something go viral and then the word viral, what does that mean to them? You know, like viral might be millions and millions of views and viral to them also could just mean a couple hundred thousand. I'm, so you also have to kind of ask like, what's, what's your view of viral? There's different <laughs> tiers. I call it County viral state model, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point, Caleb. It depends on who's in it. I think where a lot of people miss the mark when they do production is they don't involve the community because I think a lot of businesses, especially local businesses, they want to see, you know, West Virginians in there. They want to see people they know. They want to hear stories that they, they relate to. So do you, do you see things, you know, do better when that happens? Cause I try like with our productions, it's very important to me to have all the cast and crew that I can possibly get from West Virginia. It's just how I am. Um, it's worked out a lot of times. Sometimes it's, you know, I probably could have done something better, but you, how big of a factor is that community involvement in getting your videos seen? I, I know I, for, for us, I mean, community is a huge reason that we exist. I mean, if without Facebook and without including the community, we probably wouldn't land certain, we wouldn't have landed certain cl uh, clients. And uh, I mean, for instance, like we went to Huntington to do a video with just us like playing around, did it for free, you know, just for the fun of it. And then that landed us things in that area. So, I mean, community is definitely a big part of it, especially Caleb definitely preaches that all the time. Yeah, especially if someone wants like a lot of attention and engagement, on Facebook, I always talk about Facebook is perfect for community building. You need to start there, especially for a small business. Like if they're one to make a name for themselves, like in Charleston, for example, your content or whatever it might be needs to include that city. You need to be a part of that city for that business to grow. What is your hopes with Film and X? Are you ever planning on leaving? Do you want to stay around here? Because, you know, with me, I have so many roots here. I mean, it's, it's just not going to happen. I'm not leaving, regardless. Uh, are you all that same way, or are you kind of open to the possibilities? I think I think we're probably going to stay here for the rest of our lives, pretty much. Ben and I actually grew up in Charleston area, and we have family here. We have friends here, so there's a lot of connections. And we thought of the idea, like, obviously, if we moved, we're thinking, man, we'd probably be a lot more – you know, we'd grow a lot better and we'd have like these huge clients, but we're just going to stick here in Charleston and, and make it work. Perfect. What are the benefits of doing business here that other people are like, move to Charlotte, man, you know, don't do it here. Things are easier. 
in a, in a lot of ways, things are easier, especially for filmmaking. You don't have to go through this huge process like you would in a bigger city to, to make something. Um, people are, you know, closer. They Everyone kind of knows each other, so it's easier to kind of get recognized. Uh, there are a few things that I would say is it makes it easier actually being here to make your business grow. Yeah. So, you know, I could, you know, I would could say that Charleston helped grow it easier than if it was in a bigger state, yeah. bigger city. Yeah, well, the, the uh, you know, why I'm, le- I'm never leaving Pymel is because, you know, obviously cost of living is lower. I've found that, you know, m- we bring clients to us, like in Wyoming County, and it really, with technology the way it is, like you don't have to leave. Just find the businesses you want to get, map out a plan to get there and get in front of them, bring them to you. And then I think people, that's, you know, the main question we get is when someone stops by is, hey, man, do you print stickers? We get that all the time. They don't even, they're not even sure what we do. And I take that as a compliment. I'm like, man, that's really cool because, you know, we'll get high school kids on message and be like, I didn't think this was possible here <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So it's yeah. really important to me. Um, what would you say uh, with each of you can do this and we'll wrap up with it because I know you got to leave Caleb. What would you say to an Appalachian kid who's in middle school, who's, you know, got that eye for editing, which you know what I'm talking about. It takes a certain person that can make, can feel something and make it good. What would you say to them on why? Like, Hey man, you don't necessarily have to go to film school. You don't necessarily have to leave to do this. Um, I'll just tell them to just practice, keep doing it. And for like years, I think some people, um, they want to be good immediately. And so I think that's sometimes can make people stop doing or their craft or hobby. Um, but I would just say, just continue to practice, put your, put your knowledge or put your passion into, you know, actually doing something, making a film or just editing something. And are you talking about like, if they're an editor, they can do this as a career? Or if, or? If they're, yeah. If, if they have a love for filmmaking and, and they think they have to leave to do, to continue that and to be able to do it for a living. I would just tell them like they have the internet, they have YouTube, they're all the knowledge is there. It's just a matter of, can you take that knowledge and start practicing it? And I think that's really what helped us is, I mean, we learned everything from YouTube and practicing like constantly over and over and over. And so I would say if, if, if they desire or, or want that to be an opportunity for them in the future, just keep practicing it learning it and then connect with other people, especially if they have a weakness and say for business connect with a friend that has that mindset where they can, you know, they have that business mindset or financials or whatever it might be so that they can make that into whether they want to be a business owner or they can develop connections with agencies or whatever it might be so that they can pursue that career full time. Collaboration. Benjamin and Caleb, I appreciate your time and motivating conversation. I'm happy that we're all able to stay here to tell some good stories while paying the bills and doing what we love. You can find out more about Film Anatics by visiting their Facebook page and YouTube channel. You can also find them at filmanatics.com if you would like to check out their portfolio and acquire their fantastic services for yourself. Appalachian Startup is a bi-weekly podcast, so be sure to check back for more stories of entrepreneurship. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and support the show by grabbing a sticker from our online store at appalachianstartup.com. Review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. We are on Patreon. You can support the show there and allow us to showcase more businesses in Appalachia. Stay tuned for more stories of underdogs on the rise.